This is the Ear Science Podcast, the science of healthy hearing. Hello and welcome to the Ear Science Podcast, the science of healthy hearing, proudly presented by Ear Science Institute Australia, a medical research institute. In this podcast, we bring you into our world, the world of ear and hearing science. In today's episode, Dr. Tommy Lai, Director and General Practitioner from Med1 Medical here in Perth, will outline how your GP can help if you or your loved one is experiencing hearing loss. My name is Dan Vandermeer. And I'm Lisa Kutsia, and we are your podcast hosts. Dr. Tommy Lai, welcome to the Ear Science Podcast, The Science of Healthy Hearing. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you. Very good. Tommy, we know one in six Australians have hearing loss. When we look at those people over 65, that actually increases to one in four people have hearing loss. How does hearing loss affect patients in your practice? Lisa, it's um, actually very common. We see patients every day who experience hearing loss, um, even though it's not their chief complaint that they come in. And always something that I'm aware of as well and how I communicate um, with my patients. And that's generally where you often pick up subtle signs that they might be struggling with their hearing. As a medical research institute, we are dedicated to improving the lives of people with ear and hearing disorders. So we talk about hearing all day. But as a general practitioner, you know, one second you've got somebody coming in with a rash and then it's a broken arm. You know, how how do you navigate and incorporate hearing care into your practice? So hearing loss affects a lot of people. And it's very important to be aware about it. As a GP, yes, as you mentioned, we, we are essentially jack of all trades. We see different presentations every day. And being the primary care provider, it's always not easy to cover the topics in a short period of time. But I think as a general practitioner, I usually incorporate hearing screening during my history taking, and I also incorporate them as part of my uh, physical examination as well. And I think also that it's important that during our history taking or when we're educating our patients, it's very important to ensure that the patients are able to hear me. Tommy, I love the point that you said that actually your patient hears you. I think that's sort of 101, isn't it? You know, it's because you have such a small amount of time, you know, you really need to get to the bottom of what they've come in for. And sometimes there's not that, the thought about actually speaking clearly and maybe a little bit slower sometimes. And, and so fantastic integrating hearing loss or considering hearing as part of the history taking process. One of our researchers, Dr. Beck Bennett, actually did a research or did research with general practitioners to find out how they can incorporate hearing care into their general practice. And she came up with five key recommendations, which I thought was just so fantastic. Sometimes research papers can be so sort of complex and, and long. And these key, key takeaways she had was making hearing assessment part of your routine care, asking questions and raising concerns, listening with empathy and respect, having knowledge and understanding, and being connected to expert hearing professionals. How do those recommendations sound, Tommy? Actually, a couple of points that really resonate well in um, my practice. So 
especially point number one, making hearing assessment part of our routine care. We in Med One, we actually incorporate this in our routine where all the patients who are coming in for health assessment, more so for the geriatric populations, we do uh, routinely screen them for hearing loss. Even just by asking them, um, sim- um, just by asking them or asking them to perform a simple whisper test or if we do have the facility for like a hearing screening, that's where we would um, encourage, invite them for the um, screening tests. And do you do that? I know there's the 75-year-old um, sort of general screening that you do, and I know hearing is included as part of that. Do you incorporate it for other people as or other patients coming in as well? Yes, we do do that as well. So um, not only the uh, patients that's more than uh, more than age of seventy five, they um, hearing hearing assessment is part of the assessment, but also we do that for patients. For instance, if they come in for a complaint of hearing issues or if they have got, mm. have got wax um, yep. in their ears, that's where we generally we are proactive in um, performing a hearing screen. And are there any typically signs that you see from a patient where it triggers the, um, I I guess, a signal that there there might be some hearing issues or they might have some trouble with their hearing? Yes, uh, Dan. In fact, often patients come in, or what I should say is brought in by their family members. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Um, Complaining that, you know, their TV is too loud. Yep. And often pause and doesn't seem to engage well with conversation. Yes. Um, so those are the signs mm. that patients often uh, come in to see me yep. with. And of course, sometimes um, patients themselves, they do um, volunteer th- those information. Right. And because of that, they tend to avoid social situations. So there's uh, also another sign as yes. well, yep. which... Ultimately, it also impacts on their mental well-being as well, right? Because they are in, of course, isolation, and in that way, they feel more depressed and more anxious. And yep, yeah, that's been a recurring theme through a lot of our chats with a lot of these uh, wonderful people. That yeah, the, the the mental health side of hearing loss is huge and something that we need to probably consider more when it comes to yeah. Tommy, I'll also ask, during this season, we're speaking to Dr. Rob Eichelboom about the link between hearing loss and other conditions like cardiovascular disease, diabetes. You know, do you consider or does GPs generally consider hearing loss as part of general diabetic assessment or if somebody's got cardiovascular disease, consider referring them on for a hearing test as well? Yes. In fact, if you look into the um, biology of hearing, our inner ear is supplied by vessels as well, blood vessels. So whenever there's um, atherosclerosis or you know, chronic diseases affecting the vessels that can impact on their hearing loss. It's more so they, they develop sensory neural hearing loss. So, so the, the answer is yes, we do, um, for patients, for patients who's coming in for cardiovascular health check, diabetes checks, we often incorporate them in our practice as well. You just by, you know, it's just a simple question. How's your hearing? Yes. And that, that's where it starts. Yeah. 
So Tommy, you've, you suspect, for example, that you've got a patient that may be struggling with their hearing or might, or maybe in a high risk group. How would you approach it? Would you raise it or wait for the patient to? Yes, when um, there's a patient who either is in a high-risk group or um, they may be struggling with their hearing, we generally, we are more proactive in our history taking and putting that, taking the, the note of that. Mm. And if they are eligible, we, of, we often offer them a health assessment yep. and of, also on the site, um, health screening as well when Lion's hearing is, um, is on site with us. Yes, it yes. really works well yes. when we can work together. Yes. And of course, spending more time with the patient, allowing them to express themselves. Yes. That would make them feel more comfortable so that they yep. they can share how hearing has impacted on their yeah. quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Tommy, that's so nice to, to hear you say that. It really links back to what Beck's recommendation was listening with empathy and respect. Yes. So giving clients the, the time to, to raise their concerns and actually listening and not just trying to sort of solve a problem, but actually listening and really understanding why they've come in. And Tommy, you also mentioned us working together, Med One and Lions Hearing Clinic, to provide better outcomes for patients and dealing here with hearing loss sort of on the spot. And that's, again, one of Beck's recommendations, connect with a he expert hearing professional. So we've done that really well. Uh, and you've really touched on most of those points now. If we have a look at having knowledge and understanding, that was one of the other recommendations that Beck's research highlighted. How, how are you ensuring that both you as well as all the other GPs within Med One, have the knowledge and understanding of hearing loss to allow them to incorporate it into their practice? I think there, there is a module on RSCGP which, um, which touch on um, hearing loss. And of course, the continuing like professional development within the team, yep. within um, Lions as well. And I think... Working it, with you, working, audiologist. working with um, the audiologists um, yep. on sites, performing like on-site educations yes. um, to the doctors and lunch meeting. I think this is also very helpful um, for us um, GPs as well. Yes, that's probably the only time you can catch us. <laughs> yes, while you're eating. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So busy. So, so, Lisa, obviously with that research. It's then incumbent, I guess, on, on, on the audiologists in, in, in Lyons Hearing to, to implement that kind of research into practice with GPs. Yes, yes. And as a medical research institute and bringing together clinical service delivery, we always want to implement our own research. Yep. So, yeah, these are form key parts of our education program for medical students. Yep. So we train... Uh, would you call students going yep. through to, to train to be a general practitioner? We support registrar GPs. So when they're in that, they're their registrar years to make sure that they are aware of hearing. And then like Tommy said, we continue to support general practitioners when they are in practice. Mm. And it's not just about education on referring, because that's 
that's not all we need. Mm. We need to ensure that general practitioners have the knowledge so that they can look after their patients and be able to refer when it's suitable. Yep. But they can empower their own patients to also seek the help that they need. Yes. So that's really important, that education piece. And as, as a medical research institute, education is sort of key okay, and, yeah. and central to what we do. Yep. And I don't know, it, it might, it will be important for me to mention if there's there are GPs listening yeah. to and they require education. We work closely with RACGP and we can provide that in Perth. Yep, yep. So, Tommy, um, as part of the discussion you're having with your patient, once you've identified that there is hearing loss, there are a lot of treatment options available for your patients. How do you navigate the options like hearing aids, cochlear implants or medical intervention? It can be tricky at times, but I suppose that's the benefit of Lion's Hearing situated just in Med1 Medical. Mm. So we have got on-site support. So that's that's where we generally refer to Lion's Hearing's audiologists um, yep. all the time. I generally do bring up the discussion yes. about hearing aids, about the government-funded hearing aids, private hearing aids, or hearing aids that's funded by their private health insurance. But I always have a disclaimer we leave it up to the experts. Yes. So that's where I refer on to um, the audiologists. Yep. Tommy, you mentioned then the funding options. What are what are the options available for funding appointments or follow-up for these sort of things? Does Medicare cover some of this? So Medicare does covers for the consultations. Yep. Um, so especially if we're referring, referring our patients to a, an audiologist, uh, we often organize a chronic disease management plan. Right. That way, patients are eligible to have a Medicare rebate. Yes. And we do have a working relationship with Lions Hearing, so yep. there is no gap for the hearing assessment. So patients will be bulk bill yep. for the assessment. Yep. And as for as for if, if patients are pensioners, mm. um, so there's a government-funded hearing aid mm -hmm. that they can apply to, yep. which, again, the audiologist generally would go through the process with the patients. Yep. If they are DVA patients, so Department of Veterans Affairs, mm -hmm. um, if they are gold card holder, they can get um, access from DVA. Yeah, so what it actually is, if once you are a gold card or white card for hearing, then you become eligible for the hearing services program, the same as a person on a pension. DVA card holders are eligible for a couple of extra things. But the Hearing Services Program is an amazing program available to people with hearing loss or even just to monitor your hearing. So if you are eligible for it, all your services are subsidised by the government, mm -hmm. so it's fully subsidised. And in hearing aids, like Tommy said, can be either fully subsidised or partially subsidised, depending on what your hearing and lifestyle needs are. So we live in a very good country that really looks after people with hearing loss. Yes. And of course, we've got private health insurance. So private health insurance does cover part of the hearing aid. So mm. sometimes people will use their government funding, a little bit of private health insurance funding to be able to get the technology that they require. But also private health insurance and Medicare supports people that need a cochlear implant. Ah, okay. So that is really, really powerful. Yes. So 
the private health insurance covers most of the cost of the cochlear implant. Mm -hmm. So it is it is really quite an amazing system mm. that, that supports people with all levels of hearing loss. Yep. So, Tommy, there may be people listening who feel like they may, may be starting to have trouble hearing. Perhaps they're struggling in noisy listening environments or experiencing tinnitus. Um, what should they do if they want to talk to their GP, such as yourself, about that? Well, I think the first part of call is to make an appointment of course, um, for that issue. <laughs> yes. Or I think they've got other issues that they'll like to um, discuss as well, request a longer um, okay. appointment. Yep. Um, so we have got time to assess. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I couldn't emphasize more is act now. We know from research that people wait eight years to get help. Yeah. Please don't wait that don't long. Don't wait eight years. And, you know, us as GP and audiologists, um, we can provide a support along the way. Yes. Hearing loss is on a continuum. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So once a patient of yours has had their hearing test, what happens then from your point of view? How is the GP involved in the continuing care of a patient? So generally after a hearing test, the audiologist usually will send us a report outlining yep. the outcome of the test and any follow-up recommendations. If the audiologist feels that there are further further um, investigations mm. needed, as GP, we will coordinate that. Yep. Um, we often refer to our fellow um, ear, nose, and throat um, specialists. Yep. And if a wax removal is recommended and it's not available at the audiologist, again, we will address that. If we can't address it, then we'll refer on to our wax removal specialist. Specialist, yeah. And ideally, we are all kept in the loop and we work as a team yep. to help the patient achieve the best outcome. Right. Really, it forms a multidisciplinary team to look yeah. after that patient. And it's so important because over the lifetime of the, the patient, even once they've had that hearing test, they potentially get a hearing aid. The performance of that hearing aid may deteriorate because it needs a service. It may be that their hearing deteriorates, that they need a retest. And it may even be that they get to a point where hearing aids are no longer suitable and they need a cochlear implant. Mm. So it's so important that both patients, GPs and audiologists realize that it is that continuum, like you said earlier. That we need to, we can't just go, okay, we've done the hearing test, tick, we've got the hearing aid, tick, and now we sort of, we've got that issue dealt with. Uh, Tommy, so those options would be the approach for people with hearing loss, but what other ear or hearing related issues do you commonly see uh, day to day? So we often see um, kids who present with ear infections right. or reoccurring ear infections, mm. and often upon further history taking, you picked up that they are actually, they have got speech delay. And first thing that we always look out for would be a hearing um, issue. Yes. And that's where we um, refer on to audiologists who specialize in pediatrics yep. for hearing um, assessment, which Lions Hearing does provide as well. We also often come across um, patients who have experienced balance issues. Ah, yep. So the common, the most common one would be benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Generally, when we diagnose patients with BPPV, often I will refer patients uh, for a hearing assessment as well so that we are not missing out any red, red flags. Yep. And we often refer to our uh, friendly audiologist colleagues for vestibular balance testing as well. Right. Yep. What about something like tinnitus? Is, is there a, a strategy for that from the GP's point of view? Yeah, tinnitus is a very tricky 
condition to manage mm. because often I think from a medical perspective, we essentially need to differentiate whether if it's a tinnitus related yeah. to aging or whether it's just a tinnitus that is related to vascular issue or neurological right. issue. Yep. So once we're able to differentiate that, we are able to refer on for further assessments. Yep. And often patients with tinnitus, first thing that we need to rule out would to make sure that they do not experience hearing loss. Yes. Yes. Yep. Tommy, you mentioned red flags. What are those red flags that you would see in practice that will get you really concerned? Yes. So the common red flags that patients uh, may experience that I've come across would be patients complain of a rapid onset of hearing loss where they say that their hearing just suddenly changed yep. over a matter of hours, days, rather than gradually over long periods of time. Yep, yep, yep. Secondly, patients who has got complete hearing loss, they are unable to hear in one ears, mm-hmm. one or both ears, or that their hearing is severely diminished. Like uh, what I mentioned just now, so tinnitus plus hearing loss, it is also a red flag as well, mm-hmm. and which warrant uh, further medical. medical interventions. Yes. Or further medical investigations. Yep, yep. And that's especially, Tommy, when that's in one ear. Yes. Yeah, or that tinnitus is pulsatile. That's right. That's really when we want to refer... You know, us as an audiologist, when we see that in clinic, that's really when we should be referring to to their GP. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's where they often would um, end up requiring a um, ear, nose, and throat specialist yep. um, review. Often they would also undergo an MRI as well. Right. Yes. Tommy, as as an audiologist, we are. It's sort of drilled into us that you called it a rapid onset hearing loss or a sudden sensory neural hearing loss, that we make sure that we get that person in for a hearing test. So it doesn't matter what time of the day, we will always prioritise it. Is there, you know, is it important that we get that patient back to to their GP? Do we get them off to an emergency department in the hospital? How's the best way as an audiologist to manage that? I think if we, once we have um, diagnosed that patient with a sudden onset hearing loss, um, I think best way is to refer back to general practitioner. Yes. So we can do, can do our initial assessment. Yes. And if we feel that um, it is beyond our capabilities, then we can, of course, refer on to yep. emergency department or our ENT colleagues as yep. necessary. Tommy, do you also appreciate it if the audiologist calls you directly when we see that in clinic? Or does that patient navigate sort of booking with administration? Uh, yes, we really, really appreciate a call from our colleagues. Often that is probably the best way to close the loop rather yes. than mm. letting the patient go and they just disappear. Yeah, they might not act. Whereas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just ask what, why, if there's a red flag around, you know, sudden hearing loss, why is that so, why is it a red flag? Why is it so important to act quickly? So we know that if someone has, is experiencing a sudden onset hearing loss, if we delay treatment, yep. that hearing loss can be permanent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. And it's often um, irreversible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Tommy, this is a really good example of audiologists and general practice working very closely together. 
And as an audiologist, I know it is so important that we, you know, when we get those referrals from you, that we really manage that with so much respect, making sure we consider all the options, all the audiological options that are available for you, consider that with the, the patient and report back to you so that you've got that information to know, okay, well, this is now what my patient's got. They've got a hearing aid or they've got a cochlear implant. And now this is how I can support them, you as a GP, to support them moving forward. Yes. Tommy, what are your key takeaways for the listeners? Well, hearing is so important. And the key is to seek help early. We are here to support you and we can work hand in hand with your audiologist, your physiotherapist, and your um, ENT specialist. Well, Dr. Tommy Lai, thank you for joining us today. It sounds like the GPs at your clinic do a great job in supporting patients in hearing and hearing health. Um, how can people get in touch with you or your colleagues at MedOne? So we do have two locations in Mirabuka, as well as in Sterling as well. Yep. We are also available to book online. Uh, you can visit our website yep. on www.medonemedical.com.au. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic to hear from you today, Tommy, to better understand the role that the GP has in supporting people with hearing loss. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> Thank you. Coming up next in this season of the podcast is the genetics of hearing loss with Dr. Elaine Wong, Professor Marcus Atlas and former Big Brother star Reggie Bird. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording this podcast on, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and the land on which you're listening from. We pay respects to Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging. If you've enjoyed this episode, let us know by rating and reviewing this podcast or sharing it with a friend or family member. Make sure you're subscribed so you won't miss an episode. To view this episode as a video with captions, visit the Ear Science YouTube channel or our website www.earscience.org.au forward slash podcast. You can also visit our website to suggest a topic for a future episode, for links to more information and all the research papers on this topic that we have discussed today. This podcast provides information of a general nature and does not constitute medical advice. The producer of the Ear Science podcast, The Science of Healthy Hearing, is Emma Island, with sound engineering and editing by myself, Dan Vandermeer.